0: Hey there, I'm Judy Kroon, Canada's keynote humorist. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Mindful Monday. Today's episode: parenting, finding calm in the chaos when things go wrong. We're doing a series of these podcasts and then hopefully a live show in the near future because parents and kids are stressed out. And by the way, if you didn't get a chance to listen to our first episode last week called It Starts With Connection, I highly recommend that you give it a listen. Connecting with yourself, connecting with your kids especially during, before, during, and after COVID. You know, resources are tapped. COVID made those resources even more limited. So today and last week, I had two moms on the show who want to make those resources available to parents who don't know where to turn. Uh, We are going to do this podcast in three parts. So like I said last week, episode one, it starts with Connection. Uh, Today, when things go wrong, acceptance, and then next week, we're going to talk about teaching kids to meditate. So if you're a stressed out parent, we hope that you tune in to all three parts. My two very special guests for all three episodes are Kara Colson and Debbie DeCroon. Kara is a family facilitator. She works with families that include a person with an intellectual, developmental, or dual diagnosis disability, often with autism, and she helps them to navigate the service system in the Durham region. She's also Mindfulness Life Coach at Pearl Mindfulness Education. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Kara so many times on just another Mindful Monday. And here's the thing. Carrie teaches mindfulness and meditation to adults, as well as to kids and kids with special needs. Debbie is a pediatric speech language, uh, speech language pathologist. I can't believe I can't say that. She also <laughs> happens to be my sister. And that's why she's the smarter one. Deb has worked at various children's treatment centers and school settings, helping children with developmental delays, autism, ADHD, and other complex communications uh, disorders. Debbie now operates a private practice where the focus is as much on parent training and coaching as it is on helping children to become better communicators. Debbie has always felt that parents need to see themselves as the experts when it comes to knowing their child and that no professional can have as great an impact on a child's communication skills as a parent who can adapt to their child's changing needs. So ladies, welcome again to the show thanks judy. thanks judy yeah so just uh, recapping last week it starts with connection uh connecting with yourself uh connecting with your child were there any takeaways for uh for either one of you that you would like to uh recap before we launch into when things go wrong i thought you both said amazing things last week Um, Deb, I'll start with you. Is there something that really stood out for you? I liked, uh, we talked about OWL at the end of it. Can you tell folks again what OWL stands for? Mm -hmm.
1: So OWL is an acronym that we use when working with parents who, have children who might have an identified communication delay or disorder or for parents who are concerned about their children's development and the acronym stands for observe wait and listen so we talked last week about how everything starts with connection and how to be able to communicate is what makes us human but sometimes it's not about talking at a child it's about waiting to see how is the child going to engage with us what are they interested in what do they like what do they want to play or read or do together and then taking our cue from the child to see okay this is what they want to connect about right now so with a baby it might be just giggling and and you know making raspberry sounds or animal sounds with a preschooler, it might be a book that they want to read with us. With an older child, I think Kara talked about connecting with teenagers when you're driving in the car, and sometimes it's just about waiting and listening to the conversation that they want to have, and then taking our cues from there
0: uh Kara for you what was uh what was the takeaway or um uh, you know just listening to you like I was amazed that you teach mindfulness and meditation not only to adults but to children as well children with special needs and for folks who may be skeptical about that can you just sort of recap how how you approach that
1: Well always
2: finding uh, I've always found it fun to do children um and people, even adults with special needs, because you really have to start off making a connection with them, as Debbie talks about, and also finding what really they love, What is what really turns on their joy. So let's say for somebody, it's the Harry Potter series of books. So, um, you know, you could start to take some of those mindful thought processes and even uh, ways to breathe and and then kind of make that personalized for for that individual in and around Harry Potter. So what I find really fun about this is you get to be creative and make a real deep and lasting, again, connection through mindfulness and coaching with mindfulness with with individuals.
0: What was interesting, what stood out for me, and it may seem obvious, but you both touched on this a number of times last week, is that we're not talking about expensive techniques or expensive toys or gadgets or or apps. I mean, all the things that you guys talked about were things that probably could have been done since the beginning of time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the reason why... Parks still have swings. And the reason (laughs) why we still have libraries with children's Mm -hmm. books and the reason why kids like hanging out with their grandparents is because, you know, some of these types of interactions and activities have just stood the test of time. They're fun for adults and kids. And, you know, fun is often the, I think, yeah, I like Kara saying, the currency of connection. And I think fun is. Is one type of currency for connecting with others. You
2: know, that- Deb, I love how you always bring up grandparents because
0: mm.
2: you know you and I are coming to a stage where our our children are adults now, and so we've walked each other through their childhood.
1: <laughs> yep,
2: <laughs> and um, you know, grandchildren perhaps maybe will be coming into the future within the next decade, perhaps. And you know, you always think to yourself, well, I can't, you know, grand grandparenting will be different because I'm not gonna be caught up in all the parental stuff. And yes. that's why mentioning grandparents is so great because grandparents really can just be in the moment and have fun.
0: Yes, true.
2: Very so true. can parents if they're becoming aware of it.
0: Well, and, and something more that mindful,
2: yeah. something
0: that you both said last week was that kids are really on to you. If you think you're faking it, if you think you're looking at your mm-hmm. iPhone and you're mm-hmm. you're being present with your child, they sniff that out in a second.
2: Yeah. And oftentimes their behaviors will get even more out of control when they realize you're not mm-hmm. present with them.
0: So yeah. let's use that as a jumping off point. We talked about a uh, connection. Episode two, when things go wrong. So Kara, I'd like to start with you this week. Uh, when things go wrong, what are we talking about? Uh, what do parents come to you with? What are the issues when quote unquote things go wrong? And why do they come to a mindfulness coach? Because if you can just sort of lay that out for us.
2: Sure. Often parents will come to a mindfulness coach like myself because their doctor has noticed their anxieties are very, very high and that they are starting to um, lose the thread, so to speak, of of being able to handle parenting and, and what's happening with their children. And when we start to talk to parents in this situation, oftentimes you, you notice that they their anxieties are high because their children have a diagnosis or are having emotional regulation issues or there's mental health issues that are happening. And it really boils down to coming back to the basic premise of managing parental expectations. So what, what is going on? Often drilling down with parents with their anxieties themselves, the truth truly comes out as it, this parenting wasn't what I expected. Hmm. You know, it's not what was on fake book with all the other people I (laughs) saw having kids. (laughs) You know, like that family photo of everybody lined up in the same Christmas jumper and everybody looks so happy. You don't see the footage beforehand and you don't see the footage after the fact. And that's truly where life lies, that that is the truth of it. So oftentimes, I find that parents are realizing and starting to recognize that this isn't going the way I thought it was going to. It doesn't look the way I thought it would. And so what's perfection? Because often as parents, were looking into wanting everything to be that easy perfection. And really, what is that? I mean, perfection looks different to every single one of
1: us.
0: So and that's the piece where we talk about acceptance. So they Mm -hmm. come to you, this is that they've now realized that there is a challenge. Yeah, Uh, they're slowly accepting that what is a bit of homework that you might give them to do? well you know uh often taking a look
2: at where their thoughts are at so if we were going to go back to that owl um, idea that deb was talking about earlier in regards to connecting with children um, for mindfulness observe, also observe watch and listen comes to observing learning the practice of bringing breath into the body and just taking a few moments to breathe, uh, watching to see if any thoughts are coming across your mind and then listening to what it is that they are. What are you truly saying? What are you truly thinking about this, say situation with your child, this diagnosis that's happening? Where is your mind? And I said that last week, but even more so, what what are you catastrophizing? Catastrophizing is the word I'm looking for. No, I'm <laughs> it's Debbie. okay. We've got
0: a we've got a speech pathologist on the show. It's okay.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, Deb and I were talking about this beforehand, and yes, uh, Debbie, what's the word? Catastrophizing. Yes, you have yes. it. Yes, got it. Thank you. you. To... <laughs> okay. So <laughs> instead of having your mind at the, what if, what can happen? Oh, my child has this diagnosis and they're never going to be anything. They're always going to be laughed at. There's always going to be a problem. This is just going to be horrible. Well, where's your mind really? And then the homework question for most of my parents is starting to ask yourself, is that true? You know, is it true if your child has a diagnosis that they, they, um, let's say, have a mental health disorder? Is it true that it's going to be the way you think it is going to turn out in your mind? What are you what ifing? And is that even true? You don't know that's true.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you get to the, the the point that you're you're giving mindfulness exercises or meditation exercises to the parents are there exercises that the kids and the parents do together or are they are they separate
2: honestly once the parents start to calm down and start to feel as though their own anxiety is becoming managed it's always easier for the children always
1: so the work really is with the parents
0: and do the kids come with the parents all the time, or do no, is the it kids 50-50? the
2: children never come with the
0: parents? Ah, okay. Yes, God. if
2: the parents wants me to uh, work with the children in regards to mindful uh, exercises around breathing, or you know, yoga and animals, and I'll talk more about how to do mindfulness with kids next week. But truly. of my work around expectations and acceptance of some of those expectations in families with children with diagnoses ends up with the parents.
0: And Deb, I'll turn this to you now. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about when things go wrong, finding the calm in the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the red flags that parents come to you with in terms of child development? Uh, I guess parents worry that they're, they're, they're missing something, so mm-hmm. they've come to you. What are some of those red flags?
1: Um, so as a speech language pathologist, I can certainly speak mostly to the communication realm. But I think just going back for a moment, it starts before these children are even born, right? I have not, I have not met a parent who does not want to be the best parent for their child. And so, you know, parents sometimes, Right, parent uh, moms have difficult pregnancies, and there are some perinatal or postnatal issues that we know may lead to some potential difficulties, developmental difficulties for the child. Often, right, the you know the the first few months seem to go well, and then in terms of communication, parents notice, oh my my baby doesn't seem to be connecting with me, or my baby doesn't seem to be responding to me the way I thought that would happen. And that can happen for a variety of reasons. I guess my point in mentioning babies is that it's never too early to be sort of observing, waiting and listening for these developmental changes to be taking place. So in terms of red flags, um, you know, one of the things that happens here in, in, uh, in in Canada for all infants is that they have their hearing screened right at birth. And so one of the first questions is, you know, is your child not responding because they're not hearing and that it's pretty easy to arrange for a hearing assessment to rule that out. If a child is not connecting for other reasons, and now we can move up to, you know, a 12 month old child, an 18 month old child, a a two year old, at those points, we're going to start to see that there may be some differences or challenges. So for a child who is really, really, really busy all the time it may be hard for that child to stop and respond to the language that they're hearing and to follow directions and respond to their name because from a sensory perspective, their little bodies just want to move all the time. Um, You know, there, we may notice differences in terms of whether or not a child starts to babble or starts to use those first words, which we look for at around the age of 12 months. And, you know, I have to mention a statistic here, which is that one in 10 children will require extra help in developing speech and language. And so we know that speech and language is a huge marker for other areas of development, including play, including making friends and then later on, being able to learn to read and and write and manage all of those academic areas that come with school. So there can be markers along the way that will make a parent think or a caregiver think, oh, I have a concern here. And generally parents, you know, parents have a read on their children. They know when something just doesn't feel right. They may not have a name for it at the time, so then it becomes a case of okay what do i do about this where do i go for help and luckily in canada we have free health care so even though the resources seem a little strained and hard to access um you know your gp is a good place to start if we're talking about an older child you may be going to some drop-in programs with your child at the local library or community center and there will be people ECEs at working in those in those settings you know that you might be able to approach to say hey does this seem a little bit off to you I noticed this about my child my other children you know didn't do this or were doing this um you know I Try to steer, everybody has access to the internet. But as we know, Google is not always the best place to, <laughs> <laughs> to get the most evidence-based information. So, you know, there are lots of great websites, the Canadian Pediatric Society The, uh, there's another one called zero to three, any of the regulated professionals have wonderful websites with resources. So the, uh, you know, speech language pathology college physiotherapy, um,
0: and I'll mention, I'll make sure I include all of those links in the, Mm -hmm. uh, in the podcast for folks. So, um, so if
1: parents are, are Googling, I would suggest that they go to, reputable websites to really try and get their information to then say, Okay, what's next? Uh, I guess the, uh, well, uh, I'll I'll just stop there on that in terms of red flags and accessing Mm -hmm. resources.
0: I wanted to ask Kara, because Kara, you had mentioned this uh, earlier about uh, off air about folks building up a network on their own. And I wasn't sure what you Mm -hmm. meant uh, about that. What what can you elaborate? Well,
2: it's really important that when you're taking a look at resources, as Debbie's talked about, that you also make sure your family isn't an island unto itself. When you have young children and coming into the teenage years and the teenage years, I mentioned earlier, Debbie and I walked each other through... <laughs>
1: <laughs> some
2: very interesting roads that we walked and so it's it's important to have a network and to start to develop a network around yourself of people who are supportive and authentic in your life and that needs to be beyond what your family system is because often in the family system we find some more of those getting caught in some of those places of being triggered with um, not not pleasing the family and I'm not parenting properly and you get caught again in those mind traps, some of those things that families and parents come to me to work through and more importantly even reframe some of those thoughts it is important to have a network of good positive authentic people around you that you can bounce some of the um you know some of your thoughts off and get their thought process and how you can have help reframing some of those um very negative things that we say to ourselves i often say to people you know you may notice in your own mind that you're saying things to yourself and about yourself that you would never even say to your worst enemy ever. Mm. And so why? And often we don't find those thoughts until we start to do the mindful work. And having a great group of people around you that are really there to support you are also a great group of friends to bounce some things off of. You can't do this on your own.
0: How else can, aside from having that great network, how else can parents refrain, uh, reframe their thoughts?
2: Start to notice them. Start to really pay attention closely to what thoughts are going in your mind when your child is, say, acting up in the other room or you lose control of your voice maybe and say something you wish you hadn't. What was really happening in your mind? Instead of just covering all that up, open it up, see what's there, what's really happening, where was the deeper thought. And once you find that, so for a parent, for example, whose child is acting up in the other room, and they're frustrated and annoyed, and maybe say something they wish they hadn't, maybe perhaps they'll find, and we find this often in the work I do with parents, that they're actually worried or upset that the child is going to embarrass themselves or embarrass the family out there in community. And so, is that true? And then how can you reframe that? Is your child truly an embarrassment? How can you take a look at that differently? Maybe your child is fun-loving. And what language do you use to explain your child to other people? Or do you need to explain your child to other people? But start to change the language in your own mind from a negative to a positive, and you will see changes in the behavior of the child.
0: I think you said something last week that was, uh, was really interesting. You said... What parents or whose voice is in your head? Like, so usually that, it's a parent's, right? Whose voice is in your head or your worst yeah. critic, right? Well, it's interesting that psychology will say
2: that most of those deeper neural pathways in our mind were formed before we were 12. Whoa. I sit with that and try and reframe that positively. <laughs>
0: No kidding. Hey, listen, we're just about ready to uh, wrap up here. Uh, Debbie, really quick. Actually, both of you really quick. Just curious what you thought about we're talking about hearing and how hearing is tested so early in babies. How about those parents at the Boston, Florida game who had the babies (laughs) without headsets? What? Without noise-canceling headphones? Hello? oh come on judy you know we
2: all went out and drank the water out of the hose yeah. we're alive did our parents but gosh you know i can't remember rolling around in the back of the wood paneled station wagon and no one needed a seat belt
0: I'm and then those kidding. babies grow up and have boston accents and then That's we right. really need a speech pathologist hey listen we gotta wrap up here but once again thank you so much uh thank you both so much for joining the show um you guys are are absolutely fantastic folks as I said we're doing this podcast in three parts episode one it starts with connection uh episode two when things go wrong and acceptance uh, as you heard Kara and Deb speak uh, speak on that subject uh, truly some phenomenal and some great takeaways And then episode three next week we're going to talk about teaching kids to meditate. We're going to let Kara really take the floor. You're going to be blown away by, by some of these, uh, by some of these exercises, by the way, if you'd like to reach Kara, she's at zenlife285 at gmail.com. As I've said, I've had Kara on the show a number of times with fantastic meditation exercises, some great meditation hacks. Um, She's really, really phenomenal. And Debbie DeCroon, speech pathologist, Debbie DeCroon extraordinaire. You can reach Debbie at (laughs) debbie.decroon at gmail.com. Dot com. Ladies, thanks again for uh, for joining me on the show.
2: Thank thanks you for having us.
0: Until next time, folks, I'm Judy Croon. If you have any question, uh, any questions for myself or our guests, you can reach out to me, judykroon.com, my website, judykroon.com, or just shoot me an email at judy at judykroon.com. Judy at judycroon.com. Talk to you next week.